Welcome to Heard Online. In today's episode, we will look at claims made that sleeping pills may increase the risk of Alzheimer's disease. Obviously, something that can be really triggering to hear. And uh, this is exactly what happened to Bobby, one of the members of our community here. Bobby sent me an email with links to an article uh, that had been quite, you know, quite scary to read. So uh, I am glad that we have a chance to review it here, of course. And so, yeah, without further ado, uh, let me share the uh, article that um, Bobby sent to me just the other day. And by the way, we'll see, uh, I think there'll be a real, to me, a, a kind of a real nice reveal when we see like, aha, this is why this is happening. And I also want to comment on this idea that it's really important to get off sleeping pills. Um, so anyways, here is the original article that uh, Bobby sent me, and uh, it's from the Fisher Center for Alzheimer's Research Foundation. The title is Sleeping Pills May Increase Your Dementia Risk. You know, somewhat triggering title, I would say. Uh, it is from May 6, 2020, and the author says, more and more of us are becoming anxious and stressed because of the coronavirus pandemic, and an increasing number are turning to sleeping pills and anti-anxiety drugs to combat insomnia and stress. But while such medications may provide short-term relief, they may cause serious problems long-term, including an increased risk of Alzheimer's uh, disease and other forms of dementia, a new study reports. This part, needless to say, can be really, really scary to read if you, you know, you're taking some sleeping pill and you're now hearing that, oh, this, this increases my risk of Alzheimer's disease. Very, very scary. So uh, without further ado, we should look into this study from Taiwan. And so uh, I'm going to close this screen and instead head over to the uh, the study that, you know, that came out of Taiwan. And here it is. Uh, so it is um, Li Yenseng and co-workers, uh, and it is published in Neuro Neurotherapeutics at, uh, in 2020. And basically, actually, we can we can pause this screen for a little bit. So I read uh, the article, and what the researchers researchers did was the following: they had access to this national registry, so they they had uh, you know a lot of data. And they, they looked in the age group of 65 and older to see, you know, how many people during, I believe it was a year, had been prescribed uh, benzodiazepine or a Z drug, drug like a Zopiclone or, you know, Ambien, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, and then they said, okay, uh, out of those who took uh, or were prescribed these medications and took them at least 28 days or more per quarter, something like that, uh, who did, did they develop uh, dementia to a greater degree than those who were not prescribed a benzodiazepine or a Z drug? Uh, and what they also did was they they said from the time they were prescribed, uh, they were kind of like they, they left a window of one year. So if they were if somebody had just been prescribed, uh, you know, Ambien, let's say, and they were diagnosed with Alzheimer's like one month later, they would not be included because, you know, the, I think the idea is that, of course, it couldn't have been the drug that caused that, you know, uh, you know, a short time later. So they left kind of a one-year window between being prescribed and, you know, um, associating with this with dementia if if somebody had been diagnosed with that. So that was the design of the study. And uh, what did they find? Well, they did find that um, in the elderly who had been prescribed a benzodiazepine or a Z drug, they had a higher uh, in the prevalence or the, or the incidence, I should say, the incidence of dementia being diagnosed with having Alzheimer's disease 
was higher. And now, of course, that can sound really scary. So there was an association, but we all know that association is not causation. If you know, you know, if we if we if we interpret things like that, we would say that insulin, you know, is is highly you know linked with having diabetes. So we should stop taking insulin. No, of course not. You know, this is where the difference between causation and association is so very important. And the, here's the thing. The authors actually point something out that I think is key uh, in their own, you know, in their own introduction. They say the following, uh, that considerable research and public attention have focused on the association between benzodiazepines and Z drugs, Z hypnotics, and the risk of dementia. They're pointing out that this is really some, this, this association has been uh, known for a while and it's been very well studied. Then they say, however, this association remains less well understood. And here, here's the line that really grabbed my attention. And symptoms that benzodiazepines or Z drugs are indicated for may be the prodromal symptoms of dementia. I was actually really glad they put that out there because I think that is, that is it. Like that explains so much. In other words, what the authors are saying here is that Early symptoms of dementia may be reasons that somebody is prescribed a benzodiazepine or a Z drug. And then, you know, I uh, went a step further and I, 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 looked in, I just Googled, like, what are the prodromal symptoms of dementia? And I want to share that with you now. Uh, uh, and here's the list. Depression anxiety, apathy, irritability, agitation, sleep disorders. So if we think about these ones, anxiety, irritability, and agitation, what medication would you be prescribed if you have that as an older person? Benzodiazepine, very, very likely, right? And sleep disorders, which I think probably really refers to like, you know, often often gets, you know, sleep disorders here is probably like, uh, you know, the difference in sleeps, uh, you know, sleep patterns, kind of an irregular, more erratic sleep pattern that we see in elderly people that have dementia, and that can often be mis misdiagnosed as insomnia. And, you know, either way, if you call it a sleep disorder, insomnia, what type of medication are you going to be prescribed when you're not sleeping, where you're quote unquote, supposed to sleep, you're going to get a Z drug or maybe a benzodiazepine here. And so uh, how long is the prodromal stage uh, before somebody has dementia? Well, I, I, to me, uh, I, I believe very much that it's many, many years. And I, you know, just checked kind of like the answer here. It says uh, you could very well tell if you have dementia nine years before, meaning when somebody is diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's or, or dementia, then you, you can often look back and see that, oh, they had some early symptoms even years before, right? So if we put this picture together, we can see that an, an older, you know, an elderly person may very well have um, uh, symptoms of dementia that precede the diagnosis by many years. And that's the reason they are on a benzodiazepine or a Z drug. And the drug itself has nothing to do with them eventually, you know, uh, being diagnosed with this condition, right? So I think it is so helpful to see this. That's kind of like the the, 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 the the point I really want to make here is this, that the prodromal symptoms often indicate, often are used to prescribe the very drugs that then it may look like they, you know, uh, are associated with it, 
with dementia, but there's no direct link between them. There's no causal link between the two. And, and, and by the way, if anyone wants to prove something in a causal way, like or prove causality, I should say, you need to have like some type of, you know, a blinded randomized study where you take a bunch of people and do something to them and you don't do that to the other and, and then you follow them over time, you know, in a randomized way. And uh, needless to say, this was not one such study and this will never be done. You will never take, you know, 50,000 people and, and, and prescribe them a benzodiazepine for 10 years and, and then take another 50,000 people who are, you know, similar in you know, age and other characteristics and not prescribe them a benzodiazepine for, for many, many years and then see, did they get it or did one group have it more than the other? That study will never, it will never happen. So I think that helps because whenever you, you hear someone say like, oh, uh, this causes that, uh, you know, think about the feasibility of doing the study that requires causality, right? So that was the second thing. And then finally, with this in mind, I want to go back to the original um, article from this uh, Alzheimer Foundation uh, and and see where, where they kind of ended things. Ended things. So they saying the following towards the end that they they basically highlighting the potential risks of taking a sleep medication, right? And then they say non-drug treatments for poor sleep should be used whenever possible. Such measures include limiting the ingestion of coffee and other caffeinated beverages late in the afternoon and evening, regular exercise, but not too close to bedtime, going to bed at the same time each night and maintaining a regular sleep schedule and avoiding the use of computers and screens close to bedtime. It is very confusing, I think, because, you know, on one hand, they're saying that non-medical approaches, uh, you know, should be more widely used. You know, I, I, I'm a very, very strong believer in education. But, you know, we, you know, we, we can't really scare somebody to become educated in a way that helps with their sleep. In fact, whenever someone points out a potential problem with a sleeping pill and says, you got to get off this, what happens is that that actually increases the pressure to sleep. Now, this person who hears it says like, oh my gosh. I want to sleep more, but I can't take this pill. So it, it's even more important for me to sleep without taking it. How am I going to do that? As you can tell, this, this just leads to more anxiety, more preoccupation, more worry, which does not lend itself to sleep. So, um, so you know, perhaps you, you'll find this surprising. Hopefully not because you sort of know me. But um, I really think it's helpful to, to look at things objectively and see that these medications that are you know, sleeping pills They've been, they've been out there, generally speaking, you know, for decades. They are FDA approved. There's no evidence that they cause any health problems. And as weird as it may sound, when we are no longer feeling pressured to get off a sleeping pill, then it's easier to do so if that's what we want. And we can also feel like, well, if it's not dangerous and it's FDA approved and cleared and my doctor prescribed it to me and I feel like taking it, that's also fine. When the pressure is, when there's no pressure to sleep, then sleep happens by itself. And so uh, I just want to make that point too. Uh, so yeah, I'll conclude there. Hopefully, Bobby, this uh, this was helpful to you. Let us know in the comment section uh, and you know everyone else too. Like, let me know what you thought. Uh, and um, uh, if you have similar articles to this one, this is exactly the type of article I really want to review and heard online. So you know, uh, do let me know about them. But I'll conclude there. Thanks for tuning in. 
I look forward to having you here tomorrow and we shall go from there.